0: The following program is for informational and educational purposes only. This program does not replace medical, mental health, or psychological diagnosis and treatment prescribed by your personal physician, psychologist, therapist, or other health care provider. Please consult your provider for diagnosis and care before beginning or changing any program or idea discussed. Welcome to Psych Up Live with your host, Dr. Suzanne Phillips. This is the show that brings you a psychological perspective on common and current life issues. Here is Dr. Suzanne Phillips.
1: Welcome. I'm Suzanne Phillips, and thanks for joining me again on Psych Up Live. Today we're talking about digital aggression, understanding your online exposure. We live in a culture of cyberbullying, claims of fake news political trolling, hacked accounts, cyber-stalking, revenge porn, and more. Today we're going to look closely at these realities. We're going to consider our online exposure and ask, how do we protect ourselves from harm? Our guest and expert is Dr. Sherry Bauman. She's the author of a very important new book entitled Political Cyberbullying, Perpetrators and Targets of a New Digital Aggression. Dr. Bauman is a professor of counseling at the University of Arizona. She's a retired licensed psychologist and conducts research on bullying, cyberbullying, peer victimization, and teacher responses to bullying. These are topics she frequently presents locally at the state and national level and internationally. Dr. Bauman is the author of seven books, numerous chapters, and more than 65 articles. She is on the board of trustees of DitchTheLabel.org, an anti-bullying charity in the UK, and serves as their research consultant. Dr. Sherry Bauman, it is my privilege to welcome you to PsychUp Up Live.
2: Well, thank you so much for the opportunity to meet with you.
1: Okay. Um, let's set the stage for our listeners, um, Dr. Bauman. What is the prevalence? Just how many people are impacted by the the, the targeting and cyberbullying that we're going to be speaking about?
2: Well, it's difficult to be precise because the the way research is conducted will result in, in a wide range of prevalence rates, but... Um, for online harassment, which I think is, is close enough in terms of adults, it's about 40% of Americans have personally experienced it. Mm. And 62% consider it a major problem. So it's definitely widespread. Uh, 66% have witnessed the behavior online. So it's quite pervasive, and among youth um, The most commonly cited figure is around 15% have directly experienced it, but many more have witnessed it, which can be very disturbing as well.
1: Mm -hmm. To hear about a friend who's dealing with it. One thing that was a little surprising for me, but bears on the reason behind your book is, do I have this right as far as reasons for harassment and stalking, 14% or about 14% for political views, 10% for race, gender, gender? and physical appearance? That's about right. So actually, in this climate, the political factors are more the trigger, although the others certainly are there. One of the things... Go ahead, ahead, Sherry. I was just
2: going to say the the political what you would broadly call political, can also be racist and, and based on gender as well. So it's difficult to to divide them up and say the motivation is only one thing.
1: Oh, for sure, for sure. Uh, if someone has an agenda of women and is ignoring women's rights, um, the slut slamming and those kinds of things you speak about, that would come under some of those same topics. Okay, you know, right. one thing. one thing that I wanted... I don't think I was—I could have discussed this or spoke about this without reading your book, but you talk about Web 2.0 opened the doors to digital aggression. Can you tell us what your definition of Web 2.0 is and what you mean?
2: When uh, the Internet first became widely available, we were passive consumers of information. We could certainly find a lot of things and read widely on a topic But we couldn't contribute. And when the web became interactive, that is, users could not just consume material, but they could contribute material and interact with that material. So whereas before, if I read something online, it was... It was a personal consumption of news, whereas now in many places I can also comment on that. I can react to someone else's comments. I can create a blog. I can add to the material online, and that's what I mean by Web
1: 2.0. You know, everything from doctor appointments to whether you were helped by Citibank, they sort of, the entire digital world fosters it because they'll say, tell us about your experience. And they'll give you a survey, but then they want to know, can you tell us more personally? So we keep being prompted to do just that, to respond and give feedback.
2: Right. It's very difficult to avoid that. And so many things, as you point out, doctor's appointments, banking, um, bill paying, are are now done online. Mm -hmm.
1: So it opens up, in a sense people's permission to respond, and we're talking about responses that are negative and at times certainly painfully dangerous to the to the recipients. Um, Sherry, one of the things that I was confused about is some people use interchangeably the words cyberbullying, cyberharassment, digital aggression. Right. Are they distinct, and can you help us with that? The
2: word cyberbullying originally... And bullying, in general, um, is defined as a childlike behavior, something that occurs in minors or occurs in the schoolyard or in among school kids, so that when someone um, added the link or added the prefix of cyberbullying, it tends to connote a childhood kind of behavior, and we know that it goes far beyond childhood and that it's very prevalent uh, all over the Internet and the digital world. So although cyberbullying became the, the common parlance, It's not the term I prefer. Um, It also implies, you know, that there's a power differential. That's part of the classic definition of bullying. And online, I'm not sure that differential um, is evident or that it operates in the same way. For example, I might be a politician um, who has been elected and has status, but Uh, Someone in my district or from another state who disagrees with something I did can uh, make very ugly comments about me online. So who has the power? So Mm. I I just am comfortable with the the bullying label because of the, the definitional implications that it has.
1: Okay. Now one other distinction that you made is the difference between cyber harassment and cyber aggression if there is a distinction?
2: Well, the distinction is in the repetitive nature of the behavior. In order to harass someone, you do it repeatedly, um, whereas you can aggress one time. So some sometimes people um, engage in, in, in trolls and others will engage in a campaign where they repeatedly target someone, often on multiple sites using um, text messages and social media, and it becomes um, an ongoing, repeated attack, whereas aggression can uh, can occur one time. I might be angry at or disagree with something that you've posted online, and I make a nasty comment, but I'm done. I'm not out to uh, continually bother and harass you or um, dist- cause you distress.
1: And I think the... Um Repeated nature is what becomes overwhelmingly destructive to the victim or the target.
2: Yes, I agree.
1: I I remember um, I did a um, cyberbullying blog on teens, and when I looked into it, it was the feeling it will never stop that created such a sense of despair and depression. Um, or that I can never be safe. We're gonna, I know we're going to be talking about an important case in which the young lady started to feel that. Now, something that we all know about, but you underscore, is in our culture, the idea of high status celebrities and politicians using cyber aggression really has a trickle down effect, you feel, in terms of legitimizing it for more and more people.
2: Absolutely. I think when we look at our most revered um, individuals, our politicians, our our very well-known celebrities, it's quite natural to see them as role models and whose behavior we want to emulate and imitate. And when we see those people engaging in cyber aggression, using rude language, attacking people, making false statements about people in order to harm uh, their reputation or their image or their own self-esteem, then it it normalizes. It becomes a social norm. We think, well, this happens all the time, and it happens with these very prominent people. It must be the way things are done.
1: Mm. Um, I, I think it's so true. It's almost like being in a family where the parents are heaping um, insulting and um, um, unacceptable comments on each other. Why wouldn't the kids think this is the norm?
2: Right, they do. And, so, and that's it, very much a case of do as I say, not as as I do, being totally um, opposite. Kids are going to observe And and adults as well. We all look to certain models, people who we think are admirable in some way and want to be like them.
1: Mm -hmm. I think what you also say in that it normalizes it is that what was once an unheard of comment by a celebrity or politician in terms of how they might describe someone else if it becomes the norm, then why wouldn't I use it if I was a teenager or an adult with someone in the office? Which really brings me to having looked at workplace bullying. One thing you say in the book, uh, Sherry, is that online workplace bullying has a much more deleterious effect than face-to-face online bullying, uh, with, um, workplace bullying. Can you say more about that? Why is that the case
2: well if If you are um, mean to me in the office or not giving me necessary information or uh, perhaps making snide comments in the presence of others, the audience is quite limited, and it might be the others in the in the office or in your workplace. But when it's done using social media, for example, then it's available to a wide group of people and you feel as though uh, you mentioned hopeless and helpless. Not only am I being targeted in this workplace, but others see this and think I'm incompetent or um, otherwise inappropriate in my workplace. Why would anyone else ever hire me? Mm -hmm. Um, So it, it becomes that inescapable that feeling of i can't escape from this i have no control you can say stop it but chances are um, what they see is the reaction they want and they continue the behavior
1: mhm mhm it's interesting with with kids with when we were talking about so cyberbullying related mostly to kids we would say you know you're a bystander on the on the web also when you hit Forward or send, you've contributed or become complicit with it.
2: Yes, and mm-hmm. um, again, just as it is with face to face, it's not easy to confront a bully. Um, to because it's quite likely that they'll turn on you next. So even if a person reads an offensive post and and disagrees and is distressed by it, it's very difficult to take the step of, of responding to that and saying, this is really inappropriate um, or some other critical comment about that, because the person is likely to turn on the bystander um, who becomes then an upstander, they're sometimes called. So mm-hmm. it's it's just as difficult online as it is offline, if not more so to take a stand against someone.
1: Right, right. So let's use the example you recently cited a number of times in an article about a college co-ed um, who gets cyberbullied. Maybe we can talk about the story of Annie Jared and, um, as, an, as a way of exemplifying the position of the target. And I can't remember, actually, if if the message is going to her, we're, we're going anywhere else. But maybe you can fill us in on, on this case.
2: Well, the... Um the cyber bully who was eventually identified, and that becomes an important part of this story, was very savvy and not only sent text messages, but used social media widely and made sure to tag uh, friends and sorority sisters and family Oops. members. So it was an all-out attack by someone who knew how to um, access every site and and could Photoshop uh, images so that uh, a picture would be altered to make her look fat or um, increase the size of her nose or whatever, and she was very diligent doing the things we tell people to do. She had screenshots of a lot of these postings, and um, I looked at them yesterday. There are over 800 of mm. These awful things in a short period of time let's and, just
1: um, say, let's just give the backdrop and then she begins to date a boy, and all of a sudden these start coming through is that is that it cherry
2: yes well she she um texted him to invite him to a formal she had met him and um thought he was you know of interest and knew his friends and so forth, and thought she would invite him to a formal. It turns out that a former long-term girlfriend um, had been given access to all his accounts when they were together, so she became aware that that this was a potential girlfriend, and apparently um, was jealous and resentful, and made an all-out campaign. When someone goes to that much trouble, it's hard to believe that they have enough time to send so many things and post them and alter them and um, target so many people, but it, it appears as, as though she almost did nothing else but, but torment Annie.
1: Mm-hmm. And in the end, how is it that Annie gets some help. Where does she turn?
2: Well, it's help, but not a solution. She she turned to um, the police department on campus um, at her university, also in the city of Tucson. Um, one of the things that makes it so difficult to uh, challenge this kind of aggression is that the person was not in Tucson and was not in the state of Arizona, so there's always a question of jurisdiction. Do we have any right to investigate this? Um, Annie was fortunate enough to have very supportive family members, and they paid for a private investigator, because when she was home for the summer in Texas... The same thing happened. People said, I, you know, that's too bad, but it's not in our uh, jurisdiction. There's nothing we can do. Um, so the, uh, the private investigator was able to identify the university where this woman um, perpetrator attended and was able to identify her through finding an IP address. They set up a fake account they knew she would subscribe to. It was very... Um, Complex the way what mm-hmm. they had to do, and apparently, when she was confronted, she acknowledged that she did that. But at, some of this has to do with the legal um, complications of sharing the outcome. But as far as she knows, there was no consequence.
1: Mm-hmm. What, one of the most so she powerful- stopped, yeah. Um this was in a where is this article located? Is in the Tucson newspaper?
2: Yeah, it's the Arizona Ari- Daily Star. Okay.
1: Well, one thing that came through Sherry is the impact on this young girl. She began to be frightened. She 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 was afraid to sleep alone, and it's interesting you you wouldn't think, but actually we would think. When something never stops, You just have a very hard time feeling safe in your body and mind. So, I mean, it really underscores what we're addressing today, which is how do we help people recognize um, this type of behavior and how to proceed in terms of trying to become a a bit safer. We're going to take a brief break. We want to mention it's something that Sherry offers. If you or someone you know is being cyberbullied, you can find support at StopBullying.com. Do not respond, collect evidence, report to online platforms, file a police report report to the school workplace etc we'll be repeating that throughout the show you've been listening to psych up live we're speaking with dr sherry bauman she's the author of the important new book political cyberbullying perpetrators and targets of a new digital aggression stay with us we have much more
0: Streaming live, the leader in internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com.
3: A Braveheart is anyone with the courage to be of service to others. If you have that courage, then Bravehearts Radio with Brian Reinbold is for you. Even if you aren't yet, you'll want to still tune in to get inspired, create your own story to share, and change your life for the better. Listen to the stories of service and courage shared by amazing guests and your input too. Listen for Bravehearts Radio, Mondays at 4 p.m. Eastern Time and 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Remember, doing good anywhere does good everywhere. There are many innocent people who are found guilty of crimes that they did not commit. Join criminal defense investigator Jeff Stein for Is There Really Truth and Justice for All? Each show, will discuss the problem. And it is a problem. The fact that because of incompetent investigations and a poor judicial system, anybody can become a victim. Can we fix this? Tune in to find out. You can listen Wednesdays at 11 a.m. Eastern Time and 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel.
0: on the Voice America Variety Channel. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. You are listening to Psych Up Live. Join in our conversation today by calling Dr. Suzanne Phillips or her guest at one 472 That's one 472 5788 You may also send an email to radiohostphillips at gmail.com. Now, back to Psych Up Live. Welcome back to Psych Up Live. We're
1: speaking with Dr. Sherry Bauman, the author of the new book, Political cyberbullying, perpetrators and targets of a new digital aggression. Sherry and I were just talking about a case of a young college co-ed who is just continually brutalized by someone online who, as as Sherry said, this other person must have had very little to do, but the level to which she would take pictures of animals, put the young woman's face, um, use hashtags to connect to people, it was like an all-out attack. And I said, you know, as psychologists, let's ask the question, what promotes something like this? And and Sherry does discuss a number of theories of aggression in response to that. Maybe let's talk about that.
2: Well, you know, aggression is part of our psyche. We do have the capacity for aggression. And at in our uh, prehistoric days, it was it was probably necessary to ensure uh, that we were safe from predatory animals or other kinds of um, rival groups. So we do have that ability, but it seems as though um, it's continually looking for an outlet, and evolution alone doesn't really explain it. There are a number of theories that... Um, have been proposed, and one of the things that concerns me about those theories is that they, many of them, rely on anonymity as the an explanation for why we behave that way. First of all, it's as though all of us have um, an evil, a dark side that, given This cloak of anonymity, we would all become criminals. And I'm exaggerating a bit. But I don't think that that answers the question. And one reason it doesn't is that a lot of the cyber aggression and cyber um, attacks that we see online are committed by people who identify themselves. And they want to be because part of what bullying of any kind is about is power and status. So if I am using this behavior to, in my mind, increase my status, popularity, power among others, of course I don't want to be anonymous. It would defeat the purpose. Mm. So, Mm. um, Whereas several of these quite useful theories, I think, look to anonymity as an explanation, I'm a little concerned that that overlooks the fact that there are many people who engage in the behavior with their names attached, and deliberately so, because they Mm -hmm. really want to be um, known as clever, you know, it's, um, it's sort of a schoolyard um, or conventional wisdom among kids. You know, a lot of bad boys attract um, females. They get the dates. And there, so there's something about the person with power, even if that power is attained in questionable ways, that's attractive. Mm. So I, I think there's some other pieces that are important. One is the modeling and the social norms. We look around. Um, everywhere, even adults, to see what the what what's the typical behavior here, what's expected, and when you look uh, on certain sites or see uh, ample evidence of being crude and offensive, then you think, oh, I guess that's acceptable here. So. One important theory, I think, is the social norming, that we look to our environment for cues on how to behave. And then modeling, which is a part of a social learning theory, indicates that we learn by watching others. You know, think about the child who um, learns not to stick his or her hand in a fire, They don't actually have to do it, although that's one way, but if they can see other people get hurt when they approach fire, they can learn very effectively. So uh, we have a lot of uh, modeling going on um, by powerful people, and I think that also is a big contributor. Mm. I also think personally that the theories of moral disengagement, it means all of us know at some level that these behaviors are wrong, as are other things we do, but we we justify them to ourselves because we don't want to be a bad person by saying, oh, this is for a higher purpose, I'm making the country better, or it's not as bad as hitting them in the face or doing something uh, physical and everybody does it so i'm not responsible i think and oh it, it the consequences were just minor they got upset for a minute and it's all over and they're less than and this is where the racism and the other isms come into effect it's yeah. okay to treat them in this way because they're they're subhuman sometimes is 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 the belief so um while Online disinhibition and some of the other theories are helpful in attempting to explain this. I don't think anonymity is, is the big feature.
1: Well, wh- now it what is a things- troll? Yeah. Okay, so tell us uh, what is a troll? A
2: troll is someone who uh, really likes to get a rise or a reaction out of people. They take pleasure in it. It's almost it is a, a form of sadism in a way. Trolls um, have been studied, and they're found to have, they're narcissistic, they have psychopathic traits, they have no remorse, they're callous, they're antisocial, but they discovered that among trolls, sadism is also a prominent characteristic in their personality, so they enjoy that. And I'm reminded, I don't know about you, um, I'm probably dating myself here, but growing up, there was a um, a setup sort of so a group of people would be kids would get together and decide that they were going to um, target someone by this joke sort of so there's let's say there's 5 people and I'm the new one and, and they get together and they say oh did you ever hear this joke it's hilarious and the others say no tell us and the joke is, two elephants are in a bathtub, and one says to the other, please pass the soap. And the answer is, no soap, radio. And everybody roars with laughter, except, of course, the, the poor person who... Yeah. And of course, there is no, I mean, it, it isn't a joke. It's stupid. And it has, it, the only purpose of it is to embarrass that person, humiliate mm. them. So if they don't laugh, what's the matter with you? You don't get it. Don't you have a sense of humor? If they do laugh, what are you laughing at? Oh, you, you don't even know what's funny. You know, mm. so some of the, the trolls do that in a much more sophisticated way. They try to suck you in. They'll make outrageous comments, for example. And if you respond, then they've, it's like a gotcha.
1: We've got you. Now, uh, now, Sherry, help me with this. The trolls, uh, I was under the impression trolls sort of don't necessarily have one subject or target in mind, but that may not be true. No, it
2: doesn't matter. Anything okay. that will get a rise or a reaction from their okay. uh, target is what they're looking for, and they make up stuff. So it doesn't. Mm-hmm. They don't have to know about it, and they don't have to care about it. They'll just take the opposition position in order to get that reaction. That's what so they're it, looking for.
1: So, if I start being trolled by people who are saying ridiculous things about me, what do you suggest I do?
2: Ignore them. Do not feed the trolls. Because okay. their goal is to get a reaction. And if they, you know, at first they'll accelerate the behavior and exaggerate it. And if you just if you don't respond, well, they'll move on to the next person. Because their goal is to get that response, that gotcha.
1: Mm-hmm. See, now, do you think that one of the things you talk about in why is this behavior is the fact that there is a sort of protection this online and you, this disinhibition, meaning people are going to do things they would never ever do publicly, like you say in the office. So right. online, you'll say there's there's more harassment, there's more se- self disclosure, there's more viewing of porn, there's more s- insulting people with profanity. That's happening. A, you have to have a reason to want to be in that position. Maybe you're part of a group that's all doing it. But the other is there's a kind of screen in the online world that sort of protects you. You're not face-to-face with your victim.
2: Right. It's almost as though um, you believe you're two people and your online person is different from your offline person and you're not really responsible in the same way. So right. So the, the screen self um, is different from our Offline selves, and we curate it very carefully. So, if we want to be behave, you know, if we have this urge to be cruel and mean, it's it reminds me of the you know, the, the person who is upset at the boss and come ho- comes home to kick the dog. Um, so people who have frustrations and anger and feel dissatisfied with their life and feel perhaps hopeless or uh, unable to achieve the things they thought they should, you know, carry this anger, and now they have sort of the dog. They have this online persona who can be as aggressive and nasty as they sometimes feel as though they would like to do in other settings.
1: You know, as we're talking about this and the idea of having a persona, as I mentioned at the break, many people talk about, well, they might have gone on one of these dating sites, but they're terrified of just what we're talking about that somehow they're going to put themselves out there into cyberspace and become the victim. So people ask me, how would you know if a dating site is safe? What would you say?
2: Well, this is going to sound very simplistic, but it's true. Ask others. I notice, you know, I'm in an academic setting and there are many single people uh, here who would like to not be or would like to date more widely, and... I find that they go to each other who Mm -hmm. has had, you know, been on a site for a long time and never had a bad experience. You know, what protections are there on the site? And that seems to be the best way. I also noticed that the sites that have a fee, um, tend to have better personnel and better monitoring of the site because they can pay people to do it. Um, and those tend to eliminate people who can just go anywhere um, and attempt to prey on unsuspecting individuals who are looking for companionship. Mm. So um, this, particularly the sites that don't allow any contact until both people agree and that just initially email and so forth, um, I, I think that, that word of mouth, consulting with other people who have similar interests and similar concerns that you do, who have used sites, um, as I say, I, I know someone who just recently, it, it's it's now almost the way people meet new people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And there yes. are pluses, you don't have to go to, you know, smoky bars and or just take a, a, somebody's third cousin who's, who's looking for a partner, and some of the better sites have a lot of information and, and use algorithms to find certain commonalities. So there can be many pluses, but mm-hmm. it's important to, you know, to be very careful about which sites to do. And I, and I think the free sites are widely accessible, which just makes them accessible to everyone.
1: Mm. One thing you even say in the book, which I thought was so interesting, is the finding that those people interested in long relationships engage in less enhancement of their picture. It's less of a uh, show and more just a person looking for a person. So I thought I'd mention that as I had not read that or w- would have known that. Let's try. I mean,
2: if you're looking for a long term yeah. relationship and you misrepresent yourself, Hello? when you finally, re- <laughs> you know, then you're in trouble.
1: Right, right. Um, so let's talk about something that people have literally written books about: uh, revenge porn. Oh yeah. Okay. So what's revenge porn, Terry?
2: So it's not uncommon for people in intimate relationships to exchange intimate photos as a, a, a way to become more connected. It's just, it's just. Um, sort of part of foreplay sometimes or attraction and they're, they're sent typically with the understanding that this is just for you and it is just for you until the relationship ends and the person's really angry and they want to hurt you. And so one way to do that is to disseminate those photos that they have that were designed just for you. And sometimes uh, they not only post the photo, but they'll identify the name, the address, the phone number, the email, so that they're fearful of being contacted uh, by almost anyone, so it's a way to get back at someone who's hurt them in an intimate relationship in a way that um, can really destroy people's lives.
1: So you're, it's funny, we, we had a show on um, speaking to teens about sex. And one of the things, uh, Andrew Smiler, who was one of our guests, said, here's my advice about sexting. Don't do it. So, I mean, we could pass that right on to someone of any age because once it's out there, it's out there. And, right. but you,
2: saying, you know, I, I'm sorry for interrupting. I just want no. to say that just telling people not to do something that's not in their best interest doesn't work very well because each time it occurs, you and I, you know, I have, I'm madly in love and this is the person, uh, the stars uh, were aligned and and Mm -hmm. it's my soulmate and we're going to be together forever and ever. So it applies to other people. But in this case, of course, it's safe because he loves me so much or she loves me so much. Right. Uh, And uh, there are people who who say this is just a modern and maybe safer uh, method of um, sexual activity. You can't get STDs, you know, you can't get pregnant, that it's a behavior that people engage in to, to test their sexuality. And I would agree that it's, foolish to do and that one shouldn't do it. But I think we also need to acknowledge that kids do it and they need to understand the risk
1: mm-hmm. and
2: how, you know, that they need to report immediately and know that it's child pornography, including for them. Yes. The gender, if, yes. They're, if they're underage.
1: Yes, that they're so so important that you underscored that again um we're going to be taking a brief break you've been listening to psych up live we're here with dr sherry bauman she's the author of the new book political cyberbullying perpetrators and targets of a new digital aggression stay with us much more to come
0: internet's number one talk station number one talk station voice tune in for in the black host bob dickerson and his guests take a look at black america and its socioeconomic place in the black we'll discuss the positive issues affecting black americans including education improvements business growth closing the racial wealth gap activism and more in order for america to reach its full potential black america must do the same tune into in the black live every wednesday at 2 p.m eastern time and 11 a.m pacific time on the voice america variety channel Listen live every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Are you finding your frequency? It can be described as that space between failure and success. It's the future of digital media. It's finding your voice. It's engaging topics, content, and ideas. Are listening to Psych Up Live. Join in our conversation today by calling Dr. Suzanne Phillips or her guest at 1 866 472 5788. That's 1 866 472 5788. You may also send an email to radiohostphillips at gmail.com. Now back to Psych Up Live. Welcome back. Welcome back to Psych Up Live. We're
1: speaking with Dr. Sherry Bamanen. We were just talking on on the break about informing our listeners about things that the First Amendment does not permit. Let me put this in context. Whereas we're protected by the First Amendment, freedom of speech, which guarantees that right, paradoxically, it's the First Amendment which often protects those using digital aggression to attack us, which is underscores the need to uh, know that and deal with that. But we want to make sure listeners know that the freedom of speech is not totally absolute. The Supreme Court has had certain rulings that have determined the First Amendment doesn't permit someone to do the following. Sherry, do you want to list the um, the rulings so that people know what actually is not protected by the First Amendment?
2: yes i'd be happy to The first is um, the one most often cited it, it, it does not allow someone to and i 'm quoting here incite actions that would harm others and the classic example from that ruling is that you can 't shout fire in a cl- crowded theater theater excuse me uh, because that would generate harm it's also uh, does not permit you to. Create or distribute obscene materials, and we know that the definition of obscene and pornography is difficult to be precise, but nevertheless um, it 's also been ruled that you can 't burn draft cards as an anti war protest you can 't print articles in a school newspaper when the administration uh, objects you can 't make a, a Students can 't make an obscene speech at a school sponsored events or advocate illegal drug use and at other times there have been um, there have been laws early in our history and throughout um, when it has actually been illegal to oppose the government during during the wars and for example mm-hmm. during World War one. Uh, it was illegal to make false statements that would interfere with the military forces and so forth. So there have been um, short periods of time where speech has been restricted and that um, Congress has the right to um, prevent sub- substantive eagles, evils that Congress has the right to prevent. So, um, But obscenity... Um, Racist comments, insults, lies are not um, restricted.
1: Mm -hmm. So one teacher, I was just actually speaking to her today, because she came to mind when I read the one about obscene speech at the school. So she was a teacher for many years, and she talked about, oh, a few times, but we'll say the one time she told me about was, so a young man comes into her classroom wearing a t-shirt with obscene language on it. Right. And she says, I'm going to ask you to turn that t-shirt inside out. My right, freedom of speech. And she said, I'm going to ask you to turn that t-shirt inside right. out or you cannot be in my class. So he said, you'll hear about this. He turns a t-shirt inside out. Well, I told her today, remember that incident? Well, it turns out he he can't do that. You, you, were, you had a certain, you were right to ask that he turned it inside out, but one of the things that you mentioned, and you certainly know this, is there are many things that would shock most of us that are allowed, that are protected. Um, so maybe we can name some of those, Sherry. Well,
2: one of the cases that struck me uh, early on, and I mention it early in the book because it just got my attention, someone wrote a movie review. That was their job, they're a critic, and they wrote a review um, about a movie, Avatar, and it was critical. So I would like to think that in our civil society, if I disagreed with your review, I could write and say, I, you know, respectfully disagree. I think the, you know, whatever was really masterful and so forth. And instead... um, here are some of the things that were said. Hey, what a pathetic loser you are. I'll kill your mom, dad, and friends because I want you to regret what you did. I have your address and details about your family members. This isn't a joke. I hope you die. Um, and all that's protected. And it's so that's protected. kind of
1: scary. Why isn't that? It's not considered to incite actions that would harm others?
2: No, it's not a credible an uh, imminent threat.
1: I see. Mm-hmm. Okay.
2: So, so it, uh, you know, a person, and th- those are the sort of the, um, the publishable comments. They're, they're obscene, yeah. um, graphic, and vulgar because they don't like a movie you, you didn't, you know, a, a review that you portrayed. Mm-hmm. Right.
1: So, And in racist that, comments. So, if I... If a person started getting that kind of feedback, just exactly what you described, and we know that okay, it's not going to be considered against the law, where do they go? What do they do? Well, the first,
2: yeah, the first thing they do is block that individual. They don't have to continue to read those things. So you block it um, on your social media, on your text. Uh, um, on your email, you ensure that you're not going to be subjected to uh, reading those. You don't react because typically that's exactly what they want. as we talked about trolls, they want they want to um, take some pleasure in seeing how upset you are. And I would, given that at the moment you don't know how far this is going to go, you. You take screenshots, you document everything, Um, Annie, Jared, that we talked about earlier has an incredible detailed documentation of every incident and what she did and to whom she reported it and what they said, but particularly collected every uh, evidence of every shot. So it's important to collect evidence, block the person. Um, In in extreme cases, I give a couple of examples in the book where it became so overwhelming. And to someone maybe um, who really needs to be on social media because of their work or um, their position in the country, um, they have someone else go through the postings before they read it. And mm-hmm, who will mm-hmm. say, "Okay, here's something you need to attend to, but the rest of this is just junk, and don't upset yourself." I have a a, a colleague who years ago uh, wrote a blog about anti-bullying and was saying, "Don't you know, to kids, don't retaliate, report." And she was just shocked at the horrible things that people said. And it was about my kid, you know, is not going to just stand there and allow it. I've advised them and what kind of moron are you and so mm. forth. So um you block those people if you report to the site, all the sites have um Reporting mechanisms, and you. I know that Annie talked about. She reported. Um, I think it was Instagram, and they didn't do anything. And then she repeatedly and repeatedly reported until they, they it came up on their radar, and she finally had some success. But you also report to your internet service provider, um, who have some control over that. And if it um, if there's any question that it has devolved into harassment based on uh, race, religion, gender, sexual orientation, national origin and so forth, you call the police and police are becoming uh, a little bit more sophisticated in their understanding of these behaviors and their abilities to, you know, to do something about it.
1: Mm -hmm. What if someone hacks into your account and starts posting as if they're you?
2: which someone did to me years ago, mm-hmm. by the way, um, I, in addition to all the reporting, I close the account. You just mm-hmm. close the account. You can open a new account under a different name and be very careful who has access.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, one of the things you list that is reality is that if you know you're someone and you're online and that uh, you're going to get different kinds of points of view, um, you're suggesting if it gets too negative, you've got to you've got to follow the ideas you you said before in terms of reporting it or blocking it, or in some way you, using the help of other people. I think it's one of the messages you you're sort of suggesting is we can feel very alone online until oh, you hear absolutely. right until you hear other people have faced similar
2: things. Right, and not only that, these are for many people traumatic events yeah. they, um, it's not a little passing incident it has really struck at the core of who they are and what they believe about the world and counseling can be very helpful for that and Annie talks about that in her experience as well that despite all and not only that you're, you're spending time and energy trying to stop the behavior or block the behavior reported it takes away from your uh, ability to function in your daily life. So it really takes a toll and right. finding supportive friends or people online who can counter the negative with positives. You know, so if in her case um, they talked about how fat she was, well, I'll tell you, she's not fat. But even if she were, people say, you're beautiful, we care about you, don't, you know, so counteracting both online and in person. But I really think when it reaches a point that a person is feeling um, hopeless, helpless, depressed, anxious, fearful, counseling is really helpful and important to reach out for.
1: Okay, we're just about out of time, so I want to thank you and ask you if you had to give a very mini take-home message, what would it be? It would be, be careful. Um, (laughs) choose,
2: Choose the sites that you subscribe to. Choose the people that you interact with. Be aware that there are bad people out there, um, but there are also many, many good people and there are many delights online, um, but, but just be um, vigilant and learn how to do things like report, read, read the terms of, of use, of, even though they're long and lengthy, be sure you understand what violates the community norms and so forth, and stay away from the sites that are just absolutely vicious.
1: Okay. Now, how can people find this terrific book, Political Cyberbullying, Perpetrators and Targets of a New Digital Aggression? Where can they get your book, Sherry?
2: I think the easiest place to get it is Amazon.com.
1: Okay. Um, I want to thank you again for um, coming on. Is there a website that people can reach you at if they wanted to learn more about your presentations or your speaking engagements?
2: They can uh, go to search for me under the University of Arizona, um, and they'll find my Vita and my um, bio and so forth.
1: Okay. Um, I want to thank you again. I want to thank my listeners. Remember, you can hear this in any prior show as a podcast. um, by, By this evening... Um, Eastern Time, it should be up as a podcast you can listen to at any time on the podcast apps of your iPhones, iTunes, Stitcher, Apple, Google Play, Google Home, Amazon Alexa. Remember, drop me a comment or question at any time at RadioHostPhilips at gmail.com. Until next week, please take care. Thanks and be listening.